listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. For the St. Ben's people who've been waiting all month for the carols to get busted out, it is a welcome relief, isn't it, to finally be singing them, but after a rich and robust Advent season. So let me begin tonight with a story. It is a nativity story in its own way, though not one from 2,000 years ago. The story begins in 1976 when a group of five monks and ten students from the Teze community in France went to Calcutta to spend five weeks working alongside of the Sisters of Charity. Now, the Teze community, as you may know, is an ecumenical monastic community founded in 1940 by Brother Roger Schutz, to signify and embody peace and unity in a Europe badly broken by the ravages of the Second World War. And over the decades, Teze has been just that, a place of unity that's brought together Protestant, Anglican, and Catholic monks together into one community, and a place that has offered peace Peace to tens of thousands of pilgrims who went there for the music and for the prayer and the liturgy. Yet the community also holds foundational commitments to engagement with the hungers and sorrows of the world outside of its gates, which is what landed Brother Roger and that little company of monks and friends in the streets of Calcutta if they were going to pray for Mother Teresa and the Sisters of Charity, they needed to go and establish real relationship with them there in the orphanages and in the streets. Well, it was over those five weeks spent working in a Calcutta orphanage that Brother Roger found himself particularly drawn to an eight-week-old baby girl, a child who would soon die, one of the sisters informed him, if she did not receive a level of medical care not available to the poor in Calcutta. Now, in a version of the story told to me by a former Teze brother, Mother Teresa herself challenged Brother Roger to adopt that child take that little girl as his own, return to France and raise her there. I suspect it might have been tougher to say no to Mother Teresa than to the angel Gabriel himself. But regardless, Brother Roger essentially responded in the same spirit that young Mary had 2,000 years earlier. Here am I, servant of the Lord. May it be done as you have said. And so, the necessary arrangements were made with the bureaucracy of the Indian government, and that little girl was adopted by Brother Roger, at the time 60 years old, 
and his sister Genevieve. And the girl was raised between the monastic community and the home of Genevieve in the nearby village of Tézé. She was given the name Marie-Louise after Roger and Genevieve's grandmother. This little orphan girl ended up having not only a mother and a father, but a hundred dads and uncles and godfathers in that monastic community. The story doesn't end there. Because among those hundred honorary uncles, those monks in the community, was a young monk from Winnipeg. He'd gone backpacking in Europe in the late 1970s, and on the advice of his parish pastor, had gone to visit Eteze, and he basically stayed. For almost 20 years, this young monk was one of the people most involved in Marie-Louise's care, nurture, and education. He was very bound to her the whole of her childhood and adolescence. Then she left to go off to university in the late 1990s, and this monk from Winnipeg was awakened to an awareness deep within him, a longing for family. And equally deep questions around the next chapter in his vocation, in his calling. And so, with the Teze community's blessing, that monk returned to Winnipeg for a year of discernment. And in the end, he did marry. And he launched into theological studies. And now, almost 20 years later, he is the father to three teenage children. He's an ordained Lutheran pastor and a professor at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. Yet, there's even more to the story than that. During his year in Winnipeg in the late 1990s, that man returned to the church of his youth, where I happened to be serving as the parish pastor. And so the two of us shared many, many conversations over the course of the year, and I learned much from him about prayer and liturgy and music and community. One particularly memorable conversation included Gord Johnson, one of the musicians who has most impacted the worship life of this community, this church. Looking back, I realized that while I I couldn't begin to know it at the time, those conversations with that monk in his year of discernment were seeding what would soon emerge as St. Benedict's Table. And so that's a sort of a nativity story, too. From Calcutta to France to Winnipeg to this very place, the Spirit moved because a nun saw how a baby really caught the heart of a monk, and she had the courage to challenge him to act. Eternal God, this holy night is radiant with the brilliance of your one true light. Those are words from the prayer that I offered to gather us, to collect us this evening. And they are good and true words. There is a radiance to this night, to this holy night. 
There is a loveliness to the story that Kyla read to us from the gospel according to Luke. Yet we must not lose sight of the deeper truth that lies within that light and loveliness, nor of the very real demands and challenges embedded in this gospel story. This young woman, Mary, the man to whom she is betrothed, not yet married, but pledged, on the road, at the whim of an empire. A census is to be taken, and why is that? Why is a census ever taken? Well, people are counted so that they can be taxed. And taxes are extracted so that the empire's machinations and military can be supported. A strong military is needed in order to keep conquered lands under control. So go. Go to the place that your tribal ancestors came from, and there you will be counted and duly registered. Hard to find the resources and the strength to travel? Pregnant? That's no concern of empire. Travel. Joseph's ancestral hometown of Bethlehem, Luke tells us, there is no place for them to stay. Maybe it's been generations since any member of his immediate family has actually lived there. Maybe there is nothing familiar at all in that place or in its people. What they know is that there is no place for them to stay. It's getting desperate because the time has come for that baby to be born, and when that time comes, there is no waiting, no delaying anymore. And so they do what they can. They make do with a stable. Did anyone in the adjacent house even notice when the baby was born? Probably not. Shepherds come, rough people whose work with those animals keeps them out on the edge of society, both literally but also figuratively. They are on the margin. And they come, they come with a strange story of angels. A story that this young mother could only treasure and ponder in her heart, as Luke phrases it. There in the stable, with the smells and the sounds of the animals all around her, an exhausted and grateful young woman nurses her baby, and she wonders. The story we tell will intensify, of course, Next Sunday, that begins, we read the story of Mary and Joseph encountering the aging priest Simeon, who takes one look at that baby and at his young mother, and with heaviness he warns her that in time her soul will be pierced, her heart will be broken. Then again, in two weeks from tonight, we hear the story from the Gospel according to Matthew, of the visit of the Magi. Again, a lovely story, but it's accompanied by the desperate madness of King Herod. It will intensify, but for tonight, for tonight we simply stand in the radiance of this gospel. 
not because it is thinly pretty or quaint or sentimental, but because it speaks to the birth of God's new way with the world. I love how Bruce Coburn captures it in his song, Cry of a Tiny Baby, a song that we will sing tonight during communion. Coburn writes, Like a stone on the surface of a still river, driving the ripples on forever. Redemption rips through the surface of time in the cry of a tiny baby. The ripples from the event go on and on and on. They go from Bethlehem to Galilee to Jerusalem to the cross, from Good Friday to Easter to Pentecost, from Calcutta to France to Winnipeg to this very place, this very night. And from here, where do they go? Well, really, that's up to you. But make no mistake, the ripples are still going and going and going because redemption has ripped through the surface of time in the cry of that tiny baby. Have a blessed and happy Christmas season. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.